Great to see everybody. I do want to personally invite you to our Discovering Financial Freedom that we're going to do Friday and Saturday. Uh, I think it's so important, especially at this time of life, it's always important to, to know what God's Word says. And I just want to encourage you to do that. As you saw on the little announcement there, it's reported there's 2,300 verses that have to do with wealth and money and finances work in the Bible. Uh, I didn't count all those, so I don't know if that's true or not. But whatever it is, there's a lot of them. And the bottom line is, it's amazing how much time Jesus spent talking about the same thing. You know, people will say, well, I don't, the church talks too much about money. Probably don't talk about it enough because it affects every one of our lives. And Jesus knew that too because it has so much, or so intertwined in everything that we do. So I just want to encourage you to come. We have lots of problems in this nation. We have a government that's out of control, that is literally doing all kinds of socialistic uh, endeavors, trying to move us in our anti-Christ direction. We've got an education system that's teaching perversion, trying to change up really even history. We've got all kinds of issues that are going on in, in, in every institution, basically. There's nothing that that there's not a problem in. It's immigration that's going on. You know why? All because we don't, we're not living by the Word of God. But one of the problems we have is in our financial system, and it is certainly messed up. Uh, we've added trillions of dollars of debt in just in the last 12 months or so to already a ton of debt, of which if you add it all up, it's in the 20, they say estimate 20-something trillion dollars worth of debt we have in this nation. Truth is that when you add up all the obligations and all of the things that the government's obligated to, it's probably 60 or 70 trillion dollars, which basically means there's no possible way to pay that off. And so they just the whole thing is messed up. And, um, you know, I heard a uh, congresswoman say, well, about some spending bills, we have plenty of money, just pay them. And I thought, wow, you got to be kidding me. For trillions of dollars in debt, and it's just the statement was got plenty. Okay, I trust. There I am back again. Hey, the oh, government just cut me off. <laughs> I just got waxed out of Facebook and some other Twitter, some other account. Uh, anyway, this person said that uh, we have plenty of money. Let's just pay it, you know, and I thought, wow, you had to be kidding me. Then I realized that what was going on there, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the modern monetary theory, and uh, it's a theory that basically says that as long as you're a government entity, you can print as much money as you want to. You can just print, 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 print. Not a thought about paying it back. Truth is, you know, it's just, it's like, you got to be kidding me. But, but this is a theory that's been around for a long time. It's not that modern. But it's a theory that basically we've been adhering to for years. So you wonder why we keep printing money and don't have any thought about paying it back. Don't you wish you could do that? Wouldn't that be fun? You could just do whatever you wanted to do. It wouldn't matter. But the truth is, is that it, it, it's a mess. Now, the reality is, is that, whether it is or it's not, or all these things going on, for us as believers, we have to live by the Word of God. It doesn't really matter what somebody else does. It only matters what we do, 
are we going to live by the word of God? So, do you know what all the word says about finances? So, you may, but if you don't, come to our seminar. Um, I didn't know. I went to college, got a degree in business. I took every finance course that I could uh, could find there at the college I went to. When I got out of college, I had a desire to be rich. And so I pursued with gusto. Uh, I knew how to establish credit, to use credit to, accept, to buy assets, to build a financial statement so I could borrow more money. Uh, operating on a $100,000 line of credit, which in today's dollars would be at least a half a million to, or more. Um, I wasn't chasing consumer goods. I was chasing deals, business deals, trying to make deals. And that's how I was living. And I took what I thought was a lot of money, turned it into a little bit of money and a whole lot of debt. And then God changed my life in 1982. And when he did, I, I, I would, wow. I never had really looked at the word to see what does the word say about money, finances, wealth, riches. And so as I began to study the word, I began to realize that, whoa, I have been pursuing the world's way, the way I was taught, the way I was accustomed to, but I certainly wasn't pursuing it according to God's way. So I began to change everything in my life. And I began to say, okay, Lord, you got to help me here. I'm going to work this deal out. It took me eight years to get out of debt. I was able to pay off everything that I owed. I've got story after story of God's intervention and his help and miracles in my life. But the reality is, is that it took a while to begin to, wow, you know, I've not been living this way. I've been living a different way. So that's why we, it's so important for us to understand what is God saying about our finances. So here's where I want to come from. I want to, I want to make some statements, presuppositions if you want to look at it that way. Number one is that everyone has to do with money. Not everybody's married. Not everybody has children. Not everybody has different kinds of issues, but everybody has to deal with money. And it's one of those things that's so very, very important. So it affects every area of our life. Uh, if you've got a lot of money, it can affect you. If you don't have a lot of money, it can affect you, affect you physically, the stress that it brings with or without. And so there's, it, it really is very, very important to understand what does God say about money? God is our provider, and he's a good father, and he's promised that he'll provide for us. And so, but it's his way, not our way. He wants us to be free. Now, say that in the statement. He wants us free. He paid at the cross with his life. It's not just a casual thing. He gave his life so we could be free, and certainly free in this area of finances, in the area of money, in handling money. He wants us to be free because the freer that we are, the truth is we're already blessed. So what he wants us to do is be blessed so that we can be a blessing. And you can't really be a blessing if you're in bondage to anything but certainly in the area of finances. It just curtails everything that you do and what you can do. So the bottom line is, is that his ways are different than the world's ways. I know that's shocking, but I mean, that's the way it is in everything. I mean, and the Bible is our guide. Truth is, is that I was doing a seminar this last week and I, was, I said, do you know something? The Bible is going to be here whether you're here or not. Oh, and by the way, it was here before you got here. It's going to be here a long time after, too. So the one thing that's secure, Jesus is the rock. But at the same time, 
It's his word that guides us and directs us. And so it's so important for us to, to be sure we know what is God saying and what is he saying about, really, the whole area of finances. So you want to be free? in this area. If you want to be free, I want to encourage you to come on Friday and Saturday. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to start here in a moment, but we're going to walk through what is the word saying. We obviously cannot cover 2,300 verses, but we're going to cover a lot, and we're going to help us, guide us, and direct us so that we can really know what God is saying about that. Now, regardless of what happens in this nation, if you build your house on a rock, those storms come, it won't matter. But the only way to build it is that you live by the word of God. When Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God, he's not kidding. That's the only way to live. You know, he, you got to live according to his word. I can't promise you monetary wealth. I can't promise you riches. I can promise you, though, Jesus wants us free. If we line our life up and our financial life up with him and his word, you'll discover freedom because that's everything he does is about freedom. Amen? Okay, so let's begin. Have your Bibles. I'm going to put these verses on. You don't have to turn necessarily there. Psalm, we start right here. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now, it, everything begins there. If we don't get this one, then nothing else is going to work. Because see, the problem is that we think it's ours. We think that money is ours. Money is not ours. It's his. Everything's his. Hosea says the silver and the gold are mine too. Basically, everything is God's. And why this is so important is because everything comes from that position of we're basically a steward. And as a steward, we are not owners. So here... Picture what I'm saying. God is saying, look, it's all mine. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to you to steward. So how do we steward? According to his word. He's given us instructions. He's told us what to do. He's told us all the dynamics of that in the word. But the reality is, is that if we don't, if we, if you think your money is yours, then that's the first problem we have because it's not. It's his. Everything actually is his, by the way. So we got to we got to learn how to submit to his lordship and understand that, that he's a good father. He's got everything for us. He's demonstrated his love by going to the cross and dying for us. But the reality is, it's still his, and we have to acknowledge that it's his. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter sixteen. This is this parable of the unjust steward, and we don't have time to to go through the entire parable. I just want to pick out some verses here toward the end of what Jesus makes and comments. Now, again, a steward is not an owner. A steward is a manager. A steward it understands a stewardship issue. If someone gives you something to do, you are to manage that, not how you want to manage it, but how the owner wants you to manage it. Now, this is, this is paramount. All the way through, we're going to be discussing this because that's where we've got to get. We've got to recognize that all things are God's, and we are stewards of his things. Verse 10, says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is uh, uh, least is unjust also in much. Now, I hear people say, well, if I had more, I could do more with it. I could, 
if, if I had more money, I'd be okay. No. That's not what the Word says. Word says if you're not faithful with what you have now, you won't be faithful with more. That was a huge amen. <laughs> I've said the same thing. And I, and I realized that what he's saying is, no, it's not true. You have to be faithful with what you have, what you have right now. We say, well, I don't have much. The widow didn't have much either. And she gave it all away. So you got to realize that we're, we're looking at the wrong end. So looking through binoculars, you ever looked through binoculars the wrong way? It's like, whoa, that's a long way off over there. No, <laughs> got to turn things around. So what God is saying here is that, look, if you're a steward, you got to be faithful with what you've been given now. You know, well, if I had more, if I could get out of this situation or if I hadn't, no, wherever you are now, be faithful. Be faithful with whatever God's given to you. Therefore, we're going to still in the therefores, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you true riches? Wow. You know, I mean, what Jesus is saying here is that, look, he's tying the handling of his money to really, I don't know if it's true riches or not, but, but really to, it could be even spiritual things. But he is connecting it to the issue of being faithful. Have you been faithful? Especially in unrighteous mammon. And that's, that's talking about wealth and riches. If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, I'm not sure about my own, but I know this. The other man's God. It's his stuff. It's all his. So he's saying, look, you've got to be faithful in what is another man's. That other man is God. You've got to be faithful so that you can get whatever he wants us to have, which is fine. But the point is, is that we're talking about the whole issue of being faithful. What is faithful? Being trustworthy. I mean, it's not that complicated. It's just saying that God gives you something. You, you don't do whatever you want to do. You do whatever he wants to do. So the same thing in natural relationships. It's not about what I want to do. It's about what somebody, if somebody has given me something, I, hey, I've, it's theirs. I want to hold it, operate it, do whatever I can based upon what their desires are and what their instructions are. Verse 13 says, no servant can serve two masters. Now, the word servant there is actually slave. So what happens is you can't serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is used again twice there. Just use this term. Um, mammon literally is a, a deity. It was in that day and time. And so it is a, it sounds like money carries with it a spiritual context and not a good spiritual context. And see, I think money actually does. Money has spiritual dynamics to it that, um, that have the ability to, to really affect us in a, much, in a very positive, positive way or a very negative way, as long as we're lining ourselves up with God. But the fact is here is that you can't do it. You can't serve God and mammon. It's impossible. It's not like I can play in both camps. No, you can't. You, you cannot. It's impossible to do that. Turn, if you will, to 1 Timothy. Now, Timothy is Paul's uh, spiritual son, and um, he's his disciple. 
And he has written to Timothy and giving Timothy instructions as what is a young man of God, how does he direct his life, what does he do? Uh, giving him some personal instructions. And I want to go to chapter 6, and I want to begin in verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. And think about that for just a moment. Obviously, you've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul, you know? So what he's saying here is that, look, you didn't bring anything. I mean, you came in naked, you're going out that same way. And in between, you got to realize that God is your provider and that really it's not about the things that you have. It's all about your relationship with him. He's just saying, look, you know, godliness with contentment is great gain. That's really what God wants us to, to know. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Now, just keep your place there in Philippians, I mean in, uh, in 1 Timothy, and look at this passage. We'll put it up on Philippians 4. It's a what Paul's own statement is. Paul is saying, look, I've learned how to be content. Whether I have a bunch or I don't have a bunch, I'm, I've learned how to be content, whether I'm a base or a bound. Why? Because Paul's focus wasn't on money. Paul's focus was not on things he had or he didn't have. His focus was on God. That he was committed to God and to do his whatever he wanted him to do. He was consumed with doing the will of God, not with whether he had or he didn't have. And what he basically said is, look, I've had both. You know, I've, I've, I've been abundantly provided for it. I'm, I haven't been. Um, neither one are affecting me. I'm, gonna be, I'm content because I'm content in Christ. So your contentment is not in the things that you have. Contentment is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about what I have or I don't have. I think if, you know, I've thought that in the past. If I only had this, if I could only get this deal, if I only had money for this, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh. If your trust is in your money, you're going to have a problem. Your trust is in God. And so he wants us to under, he wants us to be content. He, he wants us to not be focused on the things we're money. Verse 9 says, but in, now back to 1 Timothy, sorry, chapter 6, verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Those who desire to be rich. Been there. That, and all that's true. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The old King James leaves out that all kinds. He just says it's the root of evil. Pretty interesting passage there. Wow. See, son, it didn't say that money is. It says that the love of money. Now, how do you know what you love? Whatever your heart goes after. Whatever you have, whatever you're focused on. Uh, as I said earlier, my, I've focused on money. I was chasing money. I was out there pursuing, trying to um, gain things. And, and again, God's not after. It's not against having money. The issue is money having you. And actually, He's after anything that has you other than Him. It's not good. 
but especially in this area of money. So it's, it's the love of money, the root of all kinds of evil. And that's what happens is that when we pursue that, it says we fall into all kinds of greediness. You pierce yourself. You get into all kinds of trouble. It is the, it's the temptation. It's the snare. Again, this, you think about the word mammon has a spiritual context to it. So there's a spirit attached to, to that money. Verse 11 says, but this is the answer. But you, old man of God, flee these things. You know what flee means? Run. It means run. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So what are we supposed to do? Pursue him. Again, he's promised he's going to provide for us, but we got to pursue him and not pursue the things of this world, not chase after those things that are, are going to cause us problems and pain. So how do we do that? We align our life according to the Word of God. We discover what does it say? What does the Word say? How do we do what God's called us to do? If we're going to be stewards of his provision, then we have to know what has he called us to do. Look at verse 17. It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or trust in uncertain riches, but a living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Uh, interesting. Command those who are rich. Oh, by the way, we're all rich. You go, well, I'm not rich compared to somebody. Yeah, you probably aren't. But I've been to India, been to Africa, been to Asia, in Central America, folks, we're rich. The poorest of us are rich. So don't read this thinking about where you live right here, comparing yourself among yourself. You go, well, there's some rich people here. Yeah, there are, but you're rich too. So the command, it's this command. By, by the way, it's not a good suggestion. Command those who are rich in this present age, which is now, not to be haughty or high-minded. What means to think soberly. Don't, don't think you've done something that causes you to have wealth or causes you to have prosperity or causes you to have riches. Don't think like that. And it's, what does it say? Not to trust in uncertain riches. See, riches are uncertain. We live in a world that their sin abounds. And that's why I said earlier, why we have all these problems is because sin abounds and we're not living according to the word. So if we're going to, and we do live here, we have to understand that riches and wealth, it's uncertain. You can't trust in what you have in your bank account. You can't trust in what you get your paycheck. You can't trust in your job. You better trust in the living God. Faith is in him. He's your provider, not and we're going to talk about all these things in the seminar, but the point is, is that, listen, you put your trust in something, and I will tell you, it's not going to be there. Uncertain riches. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says that, that if you do, it'll mount up with wings and fly away. I've seen it <laughs> fly away. I've seen thousands of dollars just fly away. I go, whoop. There, there it went. 
Well, that's amazing. I've proven all the scriptures in the Bible. I'm not sure I've proven all 2,300, but I've proven a whole bunch of them, the bad ones and the good ones. <laughs> so reality is don't trust, don't put your trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Did you see that? He said, look, he's not a party pooper. He's not saying, man, don't you do that. Don't you spend No, he's saying, no, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I want you to enjoy it. And look what else it says. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Wow. You want to know what we're looking for? What you're looking for? You're looking to trust in the living God who has given to you enough to, to and, and you can enjoy it. You don't have to feel, oh, I can't spend any of God's money. Man, I just, you know, God's going to get me if I spend any of his money. No, he said enjoy it. It's all his he's given to us, and he's told us, enjoy it. Enjoy what I've given to you. But, but do this. Don't trust in those uncertain riches, but I want you to be, what does it say here? Let them do good. Do good. What does that mean? You're looking for opportunities to be a blessing. Willing to share ready to give, willing to share. See, we it's time for us as a church and a people to be, we need to be predetermined to be givers. God's a giver. He wants us that same way. We talked about you can be predisposed to not be offended. You have to prepare yourself. I'm not going to take an offense. I mean, you can't be offended, but you're not going to take that offense. Well, we, can, we need to be predetermined to be givers. I've already determined I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a blessing with, because God told me to. He told me, look, enjoy it, but at the same time, be ready to do good. Ready to give. Willing to share. Amen? That's what God wants us to do. So he wants us to trust him, but he also wants us to enjoy what he's given to us. It's not some burden. He wants us to do good. He wants us to be rich in good works. And he wants us ready to give and willing to share. So, that's what God wants us to do. And we're going to talk about how, practically, what do the words say? We're going to walk through the, the many verses that are clear of what God's telling us to do. If we're going to be a good steward, that's what he's called us to do. He wants us to learn how to apply his word as he is the owner of all and we are stewards. So my question to you as we close, have you acknowledged that God is the owner of all things that you have? Now, I'm going to pray here, but I mean, this is, you know, it won't go anywhere if you don't start at the right place. It's all his. Oh, Father, we love you and bless you, and we thank you that you have given to us all things to enjoy. But, Father, it's all yours. And I just stand here and say, Lord, forgive me. And forgive us all, Lord, for considering it's mine. Lord, because it's all yours. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and everything else. Now, Father, we take this moment, and we just acknowledge that you are the owner of all. You are in charge of all things. And so, Lord, your command is to all of us not be haughty or high-minded, but to trust in the living God. Lord, this morning in the name of Jesus, we just turn to you and say, Lord, we're going to put our trust in you.
shows how to live, shows how to operate, shows how to handle your money. And take just a moment and just between you and God. You know, Father, we love you. We thank you that you're a good father. And we love you and we bless you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen.